This morning we return to the book of James. We've been working our way through James uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So today we're in James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, where James talks about making the most of today. So let me invite you, if you printed your listening guide, that uh, you can take notes on it. We make this available at fbcborough.church every Friday afternoon, so you can print yours and uh, take notes. Uh, this morning I'm reading from the New King James Version, and so if you, don't, if you have a different version, that's fine, that's okay, but let me encourage you to keep your Bible open or keep your app still active so you can follow along. So we're going to read these verses, but go back and deal with them one at a time because James has a lot to teach us about making the most of today. Now James is the younger brother of Jesus, and this is one of the first books ever written in New Testament times that we have in the Bible. So. It's a great foundational book, and we've called this series Everyday Faith because it talks about just the simple everyday things we must contend with as we strive to follow Jesus. James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Making the most of today. Cynthia and I have a uh, one of these days list. One of these days uh, we'd love to live on a lake with a dock out on the water and sit there on the water's edge and drink coffee. One, I don't, we've never lived on a lake, it just sounds nice to us. <laughs> One of these days, one of these days, we would like to travel to Australia. Have no idea, I don't even know what language they speak down there, it doesn't sound anything to me, but love to visit Australia, see the kangaroos. One of these days, I'm going to clean out my garage. <laughs> one of these days. Have you got a one of these days list? Or does, does your wife or husband have a one of these days list for you? You know... One of these days we're going to do this, one of these days we're going to do that. You know what I've discovered? A lot of times people have a list like that for spiritual things. One of these days I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. One of these days I'm going to finally go on a mission trip. One of these days I'm going to get more engaged in a local church. One of these days, I'm going to change that in my life because I know that's really the detriment of my spiritual life. And one of these days, I'm eventually going to change this or eventually going to do that. Well, James tells us, what if one of these days is supposed to be this day? What if today is the day to do something God has always been calling you to do? Making the most of this day. Here's the main thing to know phrased as a question this morning. Am I wasting today by waiting for tomorrow? 
Am I wasting what God wants me to do and who God wants me to be? Am, am I wasting the opportunity of this day because I keep waiting for another day? Am I wasting today by waiting for tomorrow? Our life, our days are short. In verse 14, uh, James even refers to our life as a vapor, quickly appearing, quickly disappearing. And, and God has given us this day. He's given us the promise of today. Yesterday is gone. You can't reclaim it. Tomorrow has not yet arrived. But guess what God has given it to you? Everybody in this room and everybody watching through live stream has the gift of today. If you're hearing my voice, either through the computer or in this room here today, God has given you the gift of today. And did you realize that today is the tomorrow you talked about yesterday? Now follow that and make your brain hurt. Today is the tomorrow you talked about yesterday. God has given you today. You can't go back to tomorrow, I mean yesterday. <laughs> you don't know if you're going to make it to tomorrow, so make the most of today. So let me show you from these verses out of the book of James, chapter 4, how you can make the most of this day that God has given to you right now. Let me ask three questions that come right out of the Scriptures. That's why I want you to keep your Bible open. We're going to go right down the Scriptures. Three questions that help us to determine whether or not we're making the most of today. The first question, am I living today as if I'll have tomorrow? I mean, that, that's a stark question we need to ask. Am I living today as if I'm even going to have a tomorrow? How presumptuous is it that so many times we keep talking about one of these days, one of these days, presuming we're going to have lots of days? James, in verse 13, says, what about you who say, talking uh, pres presumably to um, merchants, they say, well, today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city or that city, spend a year here, buy, sell, make a profit. And he's saying, but don't presume upon tomorrow. As you merchants, as you business leaders make all these plans, you, you think you've got all these plans together, but you're presuming you're going to have plenty of days. But you need to make the most of today because you don't even know that you will have a tomorrow. The book of Proverbs kind of gets at that. The reference is Proverbs 27, 17. It says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now, it's not a prohibition about having business plans and five-year goals, retirement savings. All that's, that's good. That's wise. But don't presume that you'll have tomorrow. Don't live today as if you'll even have a tomorrow. And James really touches on a, a couple of points here in verse 14. Two aspects of life. The first aspect is the uncertainty of life. Don't forget as you're living today about the uncertainty of life. Verse 14, he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know if we'll have tomorrow, how many tomorrows we'll have. Don't live today presuming that you're even going to have tomorrow. The uncertainty of life. Jesus talked about that in Luke chapter 12. It's where he told what we call the parable of the rich fool. As Jesus unfolds the story, he says, there was this fella, and that's the South Georgia translation, there was this fella, <laughs> he had, a, had this 
a, a wonderful, bountiful crop that came in. Boy, I mean, it just, everything was producing fantastic. I mean, it was the best, most bountiful crop he'd ever had. So he said, I need to tear down my old barns and build new barns and bigger barns and more barns. And he said, I'm going to be set for the rest of my life. And Jesus said he did not even know his soul would be required that very night. Now, if you're a farmer or a business, agribusiness person, Jesus is not telling you it's a sin to build a bigger barn. That's all he's talking about. He's saying don't presume upon the future. When you make all these plans, you have all these goals, don't live this day as if you're going to have lots of days because nobody knows that this day is not their last day. There's an uncertainty of life. You need to have a five-year business plan. That's great. You need to have retirement savings, of course. You need to have academic goals. That's, none of this is a prohibition against that. But don't live today as if you'll even have tomorrow. Don't presume upon the number of days. The other aspect of life that James talks about is the brevity of life. On one side is the uncertainty of life. But then he also talks about the brevity of life. He asks a question in verse 14. What even is your life? It is, it is a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. It's just a vapor. Now the word vapor there in verse 14 is only used twice in the entire New Testament. The other time it's used, it's translated with the word smoke. Your life is just a puff of smoke. Our life is just a vapor, like on a cold morning, the warm breath out of our mouth creates a vapor that quickly dissipates, or you're standing at a campfire or at a fire pit, and the, the smoke comes up, and where does it go? It just kind of just goes away. That's what our life is. It's like a vapor, a, a mist. It's like a puff of smoke. There not only is the uncertainty of life, there's also the very brevity of life. So James says, don't live this life as if, uh, don't live this day as if it is the only day. Jesus taught us through the parable of, the, of Luke chapter 12 that we not only should not presume upon the days that are to come, but make the most, be obedient and faithful to the Father because the brevity of life can, can sneak up on any of us. And, and haven't we seen time and time and time again the brevity of life? Haven't you seen that in your family? Some family member that you thought you'd have many more years with. But yet as you sit here today, it still amazes you that your family member is gone. Just the brevity of life. Haven't we seen that in our church? Somebody we see in church on a regular basis and, and then all of a sudden we hear the news that that person's now gone. Life is a vapor, puff of smoke. And across our community, have you ever scratched your head when somebody told you, did you hear about so-and-so, did you hear about this? And somebody whose life was, was just going so well, all of a sudden that person is gone. The brevity of life. And statistically, based on those who are gathered in this room and those of you watching us through our live stream, statistically, the odds are pretty good that somebody in this room today, somebody watching through our live stream, as I, as I look at, at camera three over here, somebody looking at them in our live stream, somebody here today is not going to be here 
next Sunday. I don't mean because you've gone to the beach, you've gone to the mountains, but somebody in this room or somebody watching through live stream, this is one of your last days today. I don't know who it is. It might be me. This may be the last sermon I preach. This may be the last message or church service you ever hear. Don't live today as if you'll even have tomorrow. Are you ready for this day to be one of your last days? You need to settle the question of eternity if you haven't. The Bible tells us that even though we are all separated from God, His great love and mercy caused Him to send Jesus Christ to live a sinless life. And when Jesus died on the cross, He was our substitute. Jesus bore the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. And then He was raised from the dead on the third morning, breaking the back of death, sin, and the grave. And if you confess your sins and yield to the Lordship of Jesus, you can have peace and forgiveness and the certainty that at your moment of death, you will enter eternal life. If you haven't settled that issue, you need to settle that today. I, I beg of you. Because this day, statistically for somebody, is somebody's near last day. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, then you will be saved. Warren Wearsby, the great Bible teacher, who's now gone on to heaven, because his days turned out to be some of his last days, he said that we count our years, but God tells us to number our days. Wow, isn't that right? We, we, we count our life in years. But God says, number your days. The reference to that is Psalm 90. We, we measure our life by a number of years we have, but God says, take note. Don't live this day as if you have many more days. Count your days. Number your days. So how do you make the most of today? You don't live today as if you'll even have many tomorrows. A second question that grows out of verses 15 and 16 is, am I living with a daily dependence on God? Am I living this day fully and wholly dependent upon God and His sustaining, saving grace? Now, in verse 15, James says, instead of forgetting how uncertain and brief life is, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do that. Don't take tomorrow for granted, but God has given you today, so live today under the will and the pleasure and the sovereignty of Almighty God. Now, when James says here in verse 15, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, that doesn't mean this is like a, these are magic words that you always have to say, you, that you have to verbally, outwardly say. And, and that, that's become throughout the Christian church, uh, through the generations, almost a verbal tick. Well, you know, I plan to go to such and such place if the Lord wills. You know, oh, I'll come over to I'll come to your house for supper next Friday night, especially if you're cooking fried catfish and hush puppies, of course, if the Lord wills. In my book, the Lord wills that any day of the week. <laughs> but sometimes we throw that out there just like a verbal tick. You know, I plan to do this if the Lord wills, and I plan if the Lord wills. James is not saying those words you have to spit them out of your mouth every time. He's really talking about the attitude of your heart. Are you living this day understanding that you draw your very breath by the sustaining sovereign grace of Almighty God? Are you living a life of utter 
total dependence on him every day. Don't presume on tomorrow, but then each day say, Lord, I can't even make it through this day without yielding my life to you. Don't you see that in the life of Jesus himself? How many times as the Gospels record the stories of Jesus, he always talked about the will of the Father. I'm here not to do my will, but the Father's will. I'm working, the Father's working. So Jesus lived each day in obedience to the will of the Father, and in that defining moment of life in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's struggling with life and death and the suffering that was to come, Jesus said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Jesus lived under the daily dependence of the will of the Father. What might that look like in your life? (laughs) Well, it begins with salvation. You've got to come to saving faith in Jesus. And like I've said before, this day may be one of your last days. So if you haven't settled that issue, call me, catch me right now where you are. You bend your heart to the Lord Jesus. It starts with salvation. And then you live under God's will each day as, as your daily decisions are directed by Him. We often make the mistake thinking that, God, I've settled my issue of eternity, that when I die, I have the peace because the Bible tells me that, that I'm going to live in heaven, I have eternity, but somehow we live every day with no thought of God whatsoever. And we think, God's got our eternity settled, but Lord, I think I can handle today all by myself. But James says, you ought to say every day, if the Lord wills, by His good pleasure, if I live for Him, if He wills every day. When was the last time you made a decision consulting the wisdom and guidance of God? Last time you purchased an automobile, did you seek God's guidance? Does God care about financial purchases? Does God care about your career move? You're thinking about a new job? Does, Does God want to guide you in that, or does He want you to make that decision all by yourself? If you're a college student and you're thinking about changing schools or changing majors, does God care what your major in college ought to be? Does God care about our family decisions, our financial decisions, our career and academic, our life decisions? But how many times do we think God has got eternity settled, but we make daily decisions in and of ourselves? James says, don't do that. Make the most of the day by each day seeking God's will and God's guidance and God's heart. Because his plans and purposes guide us and lead us to follow his will. We live daily dependent upon him. And when we don't do that, verse 16 tells us what happens. James and shifts and says, but now you boast because they weren't doing daily dependence on God. They were making all these plans, presuming upon tomorrow. He says, your arrogance is showing, but now you boast in your arrogance. And that boasting is evil. The word arrogance there in verse 16 is only used twice in the Bible. The other time it's translated with the word pride. Pride. How prideful it must be. How boastful it must be. How arrogant and self-sufficient that we humble creatures think that we can get into heaven eternity by God's good grace and favor, but we can lead our lives of our own accord. What arrogance that is to trust God for eternity, but take no thought of Him on each and every day. If you want to make the most of today, don't presume that you'll have many tomorrows, and don't live without a daily dependence upon Him. 
And then verse 17 leads us to the uh, final question. And I, I, I know um, I missed the quote by Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to uh, Africa, I mean China. He said, what God wants from you is not riches and gold, but he wants you to live with a daily dependence upon him. A daily dependence upon him. And then the uh, third question out of verse 17 is the question, am I living today for the good and the glory of God? In verse 17 he says, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you know to do what is good, and I've added the the idea of, of, of glory, because that which is good gives glory to God. Are you living your life for the good and for the glory of God? And and when we don't do that which is good, and we don't live for the glory and the magnificence of God, the Bible says that is a sin. So if you want to make the most of today, are you living today? Don't tell me what you're going to do next year. Are you living today for the good and the glory of Almighty God? That's how you make the most of today. People will often categorize sin into two big buckets. Buckets of commission, the the sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins by what we do and sin by things that we don't do. And James says there are some sins that are caused not because you did something, but because you didn't do something. Not a sin of commission, but a sin of omission that It's possible to sin against God, not just because of what you commit, but by what you omit from your life. What what is something that is good and righteous and faithful and godly that you haven't done? The Bible says the fact that you have not done it is a sin. If you want to make the most of this day, do what God's called you to do. Live for the good and the glory of God. And don't presume you'll have more time to do so. Let me finish my message by asking three life-changing questions. I call them life-changing because every time they get a hold of my heart, it it changes my life. So uh, we'll call these three life-changing questions that flow out of verse 17. This idea that we are to do good, that God's called us. Otherwise, it's a sin. Question number one, what has God called you to do? And nobody can answer this for you but you. What has God called you to do? Too often we boil down the essence of the Christian life as things we have to avoid. As long as you avoid all these things, you're living for Jesus. Don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, don't go there, don't watch that, don't stream that, just the things we don't do, but we forget so much of following Jesus is not what you don't do, but what you you are to do. Sure, there's lots of things you don't need to do, no doubt. But we think as long as we haven't done those things, we forget about the things we haven't done. We, We haven't committed certain sins, but we've omitted to do other things which creates sin. What is God calling you to do? Where you are in your life circumstances. Now, we're often good at presuming what God wants other people to do. You know, Baptist preachers have the spiritual gift of telling other people what they need to do. <laughs> What's God calling me to do? What is God calling you to do? Not just things to avoid, 
but things to lean into in your life. The second question, where is God calling me to go? Following Jesus, being obedient, often takes us to places we often would prefer not to go. You look at the scriptures, how many times have people, in order to be faithful to God's call in their life, they've had to physically go somewhere they want, didn't want to go. So when I ask, where's God calling you to go? I don't mean kind of philosophically. I mean, literally, is God calling you to get out of Statesboro and go somewhere to, be, to obey Him? I have the great honor of being a trustee of one of our, of our, our Southern Baptist Missions Agency. And we have between three and four missionaries around the world. And we meet the missionaries, we do all the background stuff, the training stuff, and then we have to vote. We have to vote, do we approve that person? And most of these are young marrieds, young singles. Now, we do have a program for people 50 and older. So if you're older 50, God's still got a spot for you. So we have a, it's a special program. But most people are younger people. And it's amazing. These young couples, these young single men or single women, they come before our trustee, they, they come before our missions agency, and they're going to faraway places, places that you wouldn't travel, places you wouldn't send your son, places you wouldn't send your daughter. But they come before us with a smile on their face, with joy in their heart, and a passion in their spirit. And we vote and we send them. They go to some of the darkest, dangerous corners of the world, and they love to do it because they're going where God has called them to go. Don't think for a moment that there's not somebody in this room today, God might be calling you to leave Statesboro, Georgia, and go somewhere. Maybe you're a college student. We as Baptists have a special program. You graduate college, there's a two-year commitment you can make. And you can go on mission for two years. Maybe God's calling you to do that. Or maybe God's calling you to leave your business and go to another place. We, we have several groups going to Marseille, France, next week, We're, uh, next, uh, next, uh, next year. We're sending teams to Marseille, going to be working with North African Muslims who've migrated across the Mediterranean Sea. Maybe God's calling you to go to Marseille, France for a five or ten day mission trip to get out of Statesboro and go minister to Algerian Muslims in Marseille. Where's God calling you to go? And if the God's not calling you to go across the globe, is He at least calling you to go across the street to that new neighbor, that family who's having marriage problems, or those kids who don't seem to have any parental guidance? Is He at least calling you across the street? Where is God calling you? you to go and the third question is who is God calling me to be who is God calling me to be and in one sense we're all called to be the same we're all called to be the salt of the earth we're all called to be the light of the world but if you're a 25 year old young married with preschoolers that means one thing what's God calling you to be as a young mom or dad if you're a college student, what's God calling you to do or to be as a college student? Or maybe you're an empty nester. Boy, you're enjoying the freedom of having those kids out of the house finally until you start to miss them and start to cry for them. <laughs> or maybe you're at the brink of retirement. You're wondering, as I move into my retirement years, whatever season of life you're in, who is God calling you to be right where he's put you? 
right where he's planted you. And remember, the emphasis is on today. Today. Don't tell me what God wants you to do five years from now. We shouldn't be too concerned about where we're going to go in the next 10 years or who we're going to be one of these days. But, but today, today, remember our main thing to know? The question we're asking? Am I wasting today by waiting for tomorrow? But you know what I know after uh, more than 30 years of preaching? I know that many of you in this room already know the answers to these questions we've asked. Some of you already know what God is calling you to do today, don't you? You already know where He's calling you to go, don't you? And you know in your work, in your family, in your neighborhood, you know who God's calling you to be, don't you? We make the most of today by living it for the good and the glory of God. And when we know what He wants us to do, where He wants us to go, and who He wants us to be, and if we don't do it, the Scripture says we are living and dwelling and abiding in sin. Are you wasting today? because you're waiting for the one of these days of tomorrow. So how will you respond to the truth of God's Word today? How will you respond today? Everybody here has to make, you'll make a response. Some response is they'll ignore it and go home. <laughs> but some of you are going to respond because God has taught you something today, hasn't He? He has put His finger on something like never before. What are you going to do about that? What's going to change tomorrow based upon what you do today. How will your life be different? How will your family and marriage be different? How will your priorities be different as you do what God has called you to do today? And whatever your response is, and you're making it right here in your mind right now, would you share your commitment with somebody, a deacon, Sunday school teacher? Share it with me if you don't mind. We, we haven't resumed our walk forward commitment time, but your commitment time is send me an email. My address is john at fbc-statesboro.org. Nobody screens that. Nobody filters it. It all comes to me, dumps right in my lap, and I do my best to respond to every email as best I can. Would you at least send me an email and say, Pastor, this is what God's led me to do? You notice those pew uh, card forms in the back of the pew racks there, those teal colored? It has a QR code. You can scan that with your phone. It has our Connect card. You can request information about our church, what it means to be baptized, to meet with a staff minister, or somebody just to write in your response. So send me an email. Use that Connect card form. Or just tell us how God's working in your life. And I pray based on James chapter 4, each one of us would make the most of this day, because this is the day that God has given to each of us. Before we sing our song of commitment, let me pray for you today. Lord, in just a moment as we stand and sing this final song, help us to make it a time of committing our hearts and our lives to you, to make the most of this day. None of us knows how many days we have, but Lord, you've given us today, and may we be found faithful in it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.